morning. I want to welcome you to Grace Fellowship, and uh, we're going to continue our series in this topic of emotions. And if you're new, we have some new people. Uh, if you're new, here's what we've been doing. Uh, as we've been talking about emotions, every week we, we hold hands and we sing Kumbaya so we can get in touch with our feelings, and then we share all of our deep-seated emotions with the person sitting next to us, whether we know them or not. We're not doing that. I'm just kidding. We, that's not what we're doing. But we have been talking about emotions from the perspective of Jesus. We have been learning about the emotions that Jesus experienced, the emotions that Jesus expressed. We've been talking about how Jesus dealt with his emotions. Because here at Grace Fellowship, we want to help people live Jesus-centered lives. And Part of doing that is understanding how we take something as practical, as daily in our everyday lives as emotions. How do we, how do we live those out in a Jesus-centered way? That's part of what it means to follow Jesus, being able to live everyday lives in every aspect of our lives in a way that we're following Him and following after His, His pattern of life. And today we are talking about the emotion of anger. We, if, you are, if you are new with us, we talked about sorrow. Uh, last week we talked about anxiety. Next week we're going to finish the series. It's a short series. I'm going to talk about joy and how do, we, how do we come back to a place of joy. Sometimes we have a myriad of emotions starting in the morning with one and ending the day in another. How do we, how do we come back to a place of joy or how do we stay in a place of joy? Of joy. We'll finish there next week, but today we want to talk about, about anger, and depending how your morning has gone so far, you may not want to hear what we're going to talk about today. But full disclosure, I, I took time in studying for this, I took time to read as many verses as I could possibly find in the Word of God about that dealt with or addressed the issue of, of anger, and, and just wrote them all out pages of just verses and passages that talk about anger, and I'll be honest with you, some of them said things that I didn't want to hear either. And it's not that I'm uh, an angry person. I don't see myself that way. I'm not someone who walks around with a chip on his shoulder. That's not who I am. I'm not ticked off all the time about everything. I don't walk around dropping F-bombs on people and flipping people off in, the, in traffic or at Walmart parking lot. That's not who I am. Praise God, that's not who I am. I'll give him the glory for that. I would say that those types of expressions of anger would not be my daily, maybe it's yours, but it's not my daily battle with, with the emotion of anger. Here's what I would say. The emotion of anger is one that gives me a lot of internal tension. Here's why. Check this verse out. It's in Ephesians 4.26. I have it on the screen for you. We'll come back to it at the end. We'll spend a little bit more time with it at the end. But I just want to start the conversation here. Ephesians 4.26 says, In your anger, do not sin. And that part of the verse is a direct quote from Psalm 4.4, which says exactly that. In your anger, do not sin. And so what we learn from this verse is that it is possible to experience, it is possible to express the emotion of anger and not sin. What other emotion is like that? Sorrow 
is not really thought of in terms of right and wrong. Sorrow is an emotion. It's a feeling that we experience when we, when we experience loss, when we experience pain. Anxiety or, or worry is an emotion that the Scripture teaches is never okay. Uh, it, it, it's never a good thing. Uh, worry, anxiety is never described in Scripture as a virtuous emotion. It's not acceptable. Even you say, well, maybe it's acceptable in this circumstance. Not according to Scripture. Now, maybe you could say there's such a thing as healthy fear. But I think if we were to be accurate in our language, what we're really talking about when we say healthy fear, we're talking about respect. We're talking about reverence. That might be a better word choice. So anger is kind of unique in that it is an emotion that can be righteous or unrighteous. And even anger that is righteous can turn sour. It's kind of like getting milk out of the refrigerator and you set it on the counter and forget about it. It was good when you pulled it out of the refrigerator, but you left it on the counter all night, and then it soured and turned bitter, and now it's not healthy. So even righteous anger, if we're not careful, can turn sour and unhealthy. Well, how, how do we know the difference? How do we know if our anger is justified how do, we, how do we express? Let's say that we determine, yes, my anger is justified. Fine. How do we express that anger in a way that honors God? I think this is a difficult emotion to talk about, to think about, to discuss, because our emotions have been tainted by sin, and that just makes conversations like this more difficult because we have... We have a natural tendency to give ourselves grace for the same things that we would be angry that someone else did. We have a tendency to be self-centered and, and to be self-righteous. We have a tendency to justify our anger and to say, well, uh, I would only be angry for a good reason. And give ourselves a pass. We're good at that. We are quick to do that. And we might not be in the right. You add to that where we look at the example of Jesus. And for me, when I read, uh, when I read uh, accounts through the Gospels of Jesus and I see certain scenes of Jesus' life, and it causes a little bit of tension for me. When I, when I read about how Jesus confronted uh, Pharisees very directly to their faces. You're a hypocrite. You're a viper. You think about in real time saying that to someone's face. That's pretty direct. It's not passive aggressive. And then there's the scene that we're going to look at today, this story from the life of Jesus where he went into a temple, the temple in Jerusalem, and he made a scene. Flipped over tables. He made people leave. What, what are we supposed to do with that? How are we supposed to take that example from the life of Jesus and apply it to our own lives? If we're going to figure out what righteous anger is and how we express it, yeah, we want to look at Jesus, but how do we take this 
this scene, this moment from Jesus' life and, and apply it correctly in our lives. I don't think it's as easy as it may sound. And so I think the most helpful thing that I could do with this topic is to help us build what I'm going to call a blemish inspector. Kind of like fruit on a conveyor belt. If you imagine uh, in, a, in a factory, like I know sometimes they, humans do this, but nowadays it's done with computers and they program computers and machines as fruit is coming down a conveyor belt to look for certain blemishes. And if a blemish is discovered by the machine, what happens? It kicks it out. It, it kicks it off the conveyor belt. It gets rid of it. And if anger is, is coming down the conveyor belt of our hearts, in our minds, I think it's important for us to know what blemishes to look for. And if we can identify a blemish in that anger, kick it out. Get rid of it quickly. And to build our blemish inspector, I want to read this account of Jesus at the temple as he experienced anger. And hopefully we can learn from his example. Here's what we know. We know Jesus never sinned, right? We know this. We'll start with that. We know that Jesus was sinless. So this expression, this emotion of anger that Jesus experienced and expressed was also without sin, it was righteous. So if we can look at his example, hopefully we can learn some things that are helpful to us as we are looking for blemishes in our experiences, our, uh, our emotions of anger, our expressions of anger. And if we find these blemishes, we can kick them out. Okay, Matthew 21. If you join me there in your Bibles in Matthew chapter 21, I'm going to start in verse 12. Matthew 21, verse 12. So this is after the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. Remember Palm Sunday and, and this, uh, this big exciting parade with Jesus. And he gets into Jerusalem, verse 12. He entered the temple. And when he entered the temple, it says that he began to drive out all the people buying and selling animals for sacrifice. He knocked over the tables of the money changers, the chairs of those selling doves. And he said to them, the scripture declares, my temple will be called a house of prayer, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. I'm not going to stop there. I want you to read with me verse 14, because verse 14 is important to our conversation. The blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. We'll come back to that, but it's important. In Mark chapter 11, the gospel of Mark, he, he adds one other detail that, that Matthew didn't record in that scene. So we see Jesus uh, flipping over tables, turning over tables, and, and, and chasing people out. In, in Mark 11, it says that he also wouldn't let people who were carrying merchandise uh, through, through the temple courts, he stopped them from doing that. So he caused a scene. He wasn't, this was not like a passive, aggressive, drive-by, snide remark that Jesus made to the people who were clearly in the wrong. But we have to be really careful how we apply what Jesus did 
to our own lives. You have to be very careful with the context here. We don't want to apply it in a, in a wrong way. So let's talk about some of the context of where, we, where this happened and who was involved. I think it will help us. First of all, we have to keep in mind that this was at the temple. That matters. The temple was supposed to be a place for prayer, a place for worship of God. And the people who were entrusted with the responsibility for that purpose, they had turned it into a place where there was just merchandise being sold and a place where people were getting ripped off to enrich themselves. People would come from all over the Roman Empire, especially at this time. This is Passover time, so people were from all over the Roman Empire coming to the temple in Jerusalem to pray, to worship God, to offer sacrifices like doves. And what they experienced at the temple was a racket. You had to exchange your money for temple tokens. We'll call it temple tokens. And when you had to exchange your money, there was, uh, there was an upcharge for that. Kind of like whenever you have to pay the convenience fee when you buy tickets online. If you're going to a movie or a concert, if you buy tickets online, I never understood. It's a, it's a ripoff. They charge you a convenience fee as if it costs them more for you to buy your ticket online. It does not cost them more. They don't have to pay someone at the theater or at the concert to, to process your ticket. So they're saving money and charging you more. That's what was happening at the temple. There was this unnecessary upcharge. Then they would upcharge the doves that people needed for sacrifice. So like a, a dove or a pair of doves, let's say, was a dollar somewhere else outside the temple. You get inside the temple grounds, inside the temple court, and now it's 10 bucks. What? It was a buck out there. It's $10 in here? It's like when you go to a ballpark, when you go to a theme park, when you go to a concert and you get into the venue, you get into the theme park, what should cost a few dollars for a, a hamburger or whatever it is, cost you four or five times what it should. What are you going to do? You either go without or you, or you pay the extra money. Well, who did this hit the hardest? The poor. Now, everyone was getting ripped off, but the ones who suffered the most were the poor. And it made Jesus angry. This is a place that's supposed to be for people, regardless of their economic status, to be able to come and pray and worship God. They had turned it into, these religious leaders had turned it into a place with a different purpose, and they were enriching themselves. So it matters where this happened. It also matters who's involved. We have to remember who Jesus is in the context of this story. Jesus, because of who he is, he is God, and this is the temple which means Jesus has a position of authority. You think about our, our current church setting, this church. 
the, the church doesn't belong to me. It doesn't belong to you. This is God's church. This church belongs to Jesus. And the same, in the same way, uh, this temple, Jesus has authority there because he's God. This is his temple. I would think of it like this. It would be like coming home. Maybe you came home early. And you walk in and you discover that your child is there, maybe, uh, maybe with a friend or whatever. You, you, your kids are sitting on the couch and they're watching a movie that they should not be watching and they know better. You walk in and you catch them and they're watching this movie they shouldn't be watching and they know better. And you would walk over and you turn the TV off and you look them right in the face and you say, no. Not, this is not going to happen in my house, right? Something along those lines as far as the emotion of it. So it's important where this happened. It's important to remember who Jesus is. I think it's important to note who he was angry with. He was angry with those who should have known better. The religious leaders knew better, and yet they had allowed this to happen. Why? Because they were benefiting from it. They had the truth of God. They chose to ignore it because they were getting financially rich from it. And all the while they were doing this, they'd walk around and pretend to be righteous. It made Jesus angry. Not in my house. So take all of those things, those understandings of this moment with us into our conversation today. I, I'll say it this way. Before you, before you go to Walmart this week and like destroy a candy display because the cashier gave you the wrong change and you're like, well, well Jesus, uh, he, he, when he experienced injustice, he flipped tables over, so I'm ripping this candy display. Before you do that, let's just take a moment and, and let's look a little bit deeper into this, this moment in the life of Jesus. Let's have a better understanding of what righteous anger is and what are some God-honoring ways to express it. If you're taking notes, this might be good to write down so you don't forget, but righteous anger, I think a good definition for righteous anger is hatred towards sin. Righteous anger is a hatred towards sin and injustice and immorality. Write this down too, and I want you to circle it somehow. It is unselfish. Righteous anger is not about self. Righteous anger is based in our love for God and His holiness and His righteousness. Righteous anger is, is rooted in a place of love for other people, and we don't want them to experience harm, injustice. Most of the time, though, our anger, when it's coming down the conveyor belt, can we just be honest with each other? Most of the time when it's coming down the conveyor belt, it is blemished with self. Love for self. It's not about love for God most of the time. It's, about, it's not about love for others. 
It's more like we want to look better. You made me look bad, and now I'm angry. Or we want to be first. And you did, or something happened that, that I didn't get to be first. I didn't get to be in this, in this place of, of honor that I thought I should be in, and, and this kept that from happening, or you kept it from happening, and I'm angry about it. We want the better parking spot at church. And because you couldn't get out of bed in the morning on time, now I'm late, and I didn't get the spot that I wanted, and now I'm angry. What's that about? It's not because you were super excited to get here to worship God. It's about, I didn't get the spot that I wanted because you couldn't get, it's about self. We have to start, I think, with this first blemish about self by asking this. Here's, I think, a good way to inspect the fruit, inspect the anger for the blemish of self by asking the question, why am I angry? It's a pretty simple question to ask, but it's hard to answer because it's going to require us to be honest with ourselves. Why am I angry? If we could just, if we could just ask that one question when we experience anger, boy, we're going we're gonna to avoid being pretty foolish sometimes. Why am I angry? Think about some of the things that Jesus experienced that you experience. Was Jesus ever criticized? Think about some of the things that make you angry. Someone posts something about you and it's critical and they don't like this or that. Was Jesus ever criticized? Answers, yeah. Was Jesus ever lied about? Has that ever happened at work? At school, someone says something about you. It's not true. Was Jesus lied about? Yeah. How about this? This, this one's hard. Was Jesus ever betrayed? Is he ever treated unfairly? How about this one? Was he ever made fun of? Rejected? The answer to all those questions is yes. And yet, when you go to those moments in the life of Jesus, when those experiences happened, we don't see Jesus expressing anger, do we? We see grace. We see love. We see Jesus expressing anger, though, different times. This is probably the most uh, visible as far as how he expressed it. But even when he got in the face of the Pharisees and called them hypocrites to their faces, it was all over sin. It was about uh, anger over injustice towards the poor and the marginalized. And, and it was... It was about those who should have known better doing things that they, they know were wrong, and because of their actions, they're hurting other people. Are there things that should make us angry? Yes or no? Yeah, absolutely there are things that should make us angry. Teaching something that is contrary to the Word of God should make us angry. A believer who refuses to repent of sin make us angry. Not in the sense that we're going to take them out in the parking lot and beat them up, but just this compassionate anger against sin that has destroyed maybe a marriage or destroyed a relationship because this person just won't quit. 
doing what they know better that they shouldn't be doing. And a family gets ripped apart. Those are the kind of things that should make us angry. Human trafficking. Abortion. How about this? Failures with our approach to mental health. There are things that just break my heart when I see failures in this, in this part of our, of our culture, our society. We're not doing a good job with that. How about failure when it comes to the foster care system? We're not getting it right there. In a lot of cases, there's abuse and there's just things that are happening that should not be happening. Drug and alcohol abuse, pornography, pedophilia, domestic abuse, lack of resources for the poor. There's no shortage of injustice in the world that should make us angry. And a good blemish inspection guide would be able to say this. I am called to love God with my whole self. I am called to love my neighbor as myself. So because that's what God expects of me, that's what God has called me to do as I'm following Jesus, to love him with my whole self, to love others, does my anger flow out of a heart of love for God, a heart of love for others? Is that where my anger is flowing from? Or am I angry at God? Am I angry at someone because they said or did something that offended me? If the answer to the question, why am I angry, if it's about you, then it is selfish and it is not righteous anger. Kick it out. Proverbs 19.11, a man's wisdom gives him patience. Ever lose your patience? A man's wisdom gives him patience. It is his glory to overlook an offense. Ooh. That one's hard to do. If the answer to the question, why am I angry, is about self, then we need to, we need to kick it out. If the answer is, because I love Jesus... He's the master of my life, and he has taught me to hate sin. Listen, not hate people, to hate sin. Because sin damages people's lives. It ruins marriages. It robs people of peace and, and joy and contentment. It tears down the unity within churches. It deceives people into chasing after promises of fulfillment that will never fill them up. Sin makes a mess, and sin should make us angry. It should bother us. We should be ready to fight back against the lies from our enemy. The enemy, the devil, is described in the Scripture as like a lion prowling around, just looking for a weakness. To do what? To devour us. To ruin us. should be angry over sin. And if we're angry over sin, then we can know that we're angry for the right reason. 
Here's the second blemish that we need to look for. I think we can find it by asking this question. What do I want to be known for? Simple question. Not always easy to answer, honestly. You look at Jesus, this expression of anger with Jesus was, it was rare. It's not what he did every day. He didn't get up every day and go kicking tables over. It was, this scene is, is rare. It's not what Jesus is known for. Jesus is known for love. He's known for forgiveness. He's known for a full measure of truth and what? Grace. Full measure. And I'm telling you, that one's hard to get right. That one is so hard to get right. To have a full measure of truth and a full measure of grace at the same time is hard. We need the Spirit of God to help us with that one. But Jesus did it. It's what he's known for. He's not known for making a scene, flipping tables over in this way, because this expression of anger that we see here, it's rare. And I, I, I think it's important to ask ourselves, what, what are we known for? What are you known for? Are you known as an angry person? When your name is mentioned in conversation, what do people think? Do they think, oh boy, here, here comes Grumpy Gus, that old curmudgeon. Wonder what soapbox rant he's going to blow all over us today. Are there times when we need to speak out against sin? Answers, yes. And with passion, with, with, with the passion of a righteous anger, for sure. But I, I'm not convinced that, that going on an angry rant every time we walk into a room, I'm just not convinced that that's helpful. I think Jesus did what he did. He said what he said to make a point. To make a point to those in temple leadership who knew better than what they were living, knew better than what they were leading. He was making a point. But this is important. When you look at what happened next in verse 14, he says, this will, my house, or this is to be called a house of prayer. You've turned it into a den of thieves, right? This whole scene happens. Verse 14, very next thing. The blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. They weren't afraid of him. They weren't freaked out by Jesus because he wasn't known. He didn't scare people off because he wasn't known for being a hothead. This was righteous anger, and this expression of it was rare. Listen to these verses, Proverbs 22, verse 24. Do not make friends with a hot-tempered man. Do not associate with one easily angered, or you may learn his ways and get yourself ensnared. Proverbs 14, 17. A quick-tempered man does foolish things. A crafty man is hated. Ecclesiastes 7, 9. Do not be quickly provoked in your spirit, for anger resides in the lap of fools. How about this one from the New Testament? James 1, 19. My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become what? Angry. 
What are you known for? You're known for being a hothead? Or is love and grace the pattern of your life? Is the expression of anger rare? Are you known for being that angry Christian? Always ticked off about something, always coming in hot? Listen, even if we're angry for the right reasons, which is sin, most of the time, most of the time, we should express that anger in a way that communicates a full measure of truth and grace, expressed with a heart of love that that genuinely wants people to meet Jesus, to be transformed by the power of the gospel. What do you want him to be known for? Why are you angry? Here's the third one. The third blemish to look for, I think we can find it by asking the question, how do you express your righteous anger? How do you express it? Jesus made his point. He taught this lesson in, a, yes, a very visible and memorable way to the people who should have known better. But Jesus was not out of control. He did not sin. He expressed righteous anger in a way that was intended to affect change. When anger comes down your conveyor belt, you feel it. You feel it coming. It's important to do a quick blemish test. Why am I angry? Is this righteous anger or unrighteous anger? Do that quickly. If it's not righteous, kick it off. Kick it out, get rid of it. But don't just check the source. Let's say you say, okay, this is uh, the source of this is righteous anger. Fine. The next thing, how am I expressing it? Because if you express it in an unrighteous way, it's, it's still wrong. Listen to this list of blemishes. How do I know? How do I know what to look for? Colossians 3.8, you ready? But now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander. You're not going to like this one, you ready? Filthy language from your lips. No one got up and left, so all right. Just accept it. Ephesians 4.29, do not let unwholesome talk come out of your mouths but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. So I need to give examples. You know what filthy language is, right? Ephesians 4, 31, get rid of all bitterness, rage, rage and anger are put together, brawling and slander. You know what those things are, right? That's getting into fights. Saying things about people to tear them down, along with every form of malice, be kind, compassionate to one another, forgive each other, just as Christ, God, Christ, in Christ, God forgave you. So look, if, if our anger is being expressed in the ways that the Bible describes as blemished, that's unrighteous anger, and it, we need to kick it out of our heart quickly. If we're angry about the right things, it's also important to express that anger in the right ways. So we have to make sure that we are directing our anger 
in the right place. Don't overlook this, that Jesus, that Jesus knocked over tables. He didn't knock over people. You get the difference? And I'm telling you, from my own experience in life, this one is one that I feel tension over. I am less confident in myself to get this one right. And I tell you that to just ask you to please be cautious. Because we are so easily convinced that we are right that we sometimes express things in the wrong way and invalidate our righteous anger in the, in the process. This one's hard. I don't need to be convinced. Now, you don't need to sit down and have a conversation with me, Pastor Mark. You know, dropping F-bombs on people is not, not right. Yeah, I know. It's not my struggle. I do sometimes wonder... What is the best way to stand up against sin? What's the best way to speak out against sin in a God-honoring way? That, one, that one's hard. Because we want to, the goal should be to affect change, not just spout off about all the things that are wrong in the world. For example, if we're going to make our voice heard in the community, let's say, about an injustice, about immorality. We should do that with, with respect. We should do that with our emotions under control and stay focused on knocking over the issue by explaining our moral position without knocking over people. How do we do that? Three ways, right? The best way to make sure that we manage this tension Pray, and then pray, and then pray again. We have to be asking God for wisdom. Lord, help me be angry for the right reasons. Lord, please help me to know how to express that anger in a way that honors you. I have to be in prayer about that. Here's the fourth one, and I think this is important too. How long should our expression of anger last? Here's a quick answer if you're taking notes down. Just write this down. to The answer to that question is not long. Jesus expressed His righteous anger. He taught the lesson that needed to be taught, that needed to be heard. And then what did He do? He went right back to loving people and healing people. Like, next sentence, the blind and the lame came to the temple and He healed them. He didn't need to go walk it off. He wasn't grumpy uh, for the rest of the week. I started with Ephesians 4.26. In your anger, do not sin. Here's the rest of it. You ready? In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. Do not give the devil a foothold. Well, a foothold is a place. It's like a room in a house. And so the image of giving the devil a foothold is like saying, don't let the devil even get a foot in the door because he'll come in and he's going to make a mess inside your heart. Don't even, don't even let him have a foot in the door. 
with anger. Even righteous anger can sour. It's like that milk you left out on the counter. It, it came out good. If left there too long, it'll, it'll become bitter and unhealthy. It's important that we take our emotion of righteous anger and, and channel it towards action that can affect change. Because if we're angry about something that needs, that, that is, that it's a righteous anger, then that means it's something that should change. It's not right. That's why, that's why the righteous anger exists. This isn't right. This needs to change. All right, well, how do we affect that change? Most times it's not going to be, it's not going to happen by just walking around spouting and complaining about what we're angry about. Well, how do we figure out, how do we express this anger in a way that, that will move towards the possibility of affecting change? How do we do that in a God-honoring way? Three things. you got to pray. you got to pray. You have to pray. We need the Spirit of God to help us with this one. It's not, it's not something we're going to be able to do without His help. So we pray, Lord, help me to be angry about the right things. And, and, and teach me how to express that anger in the right ways and to direct it in the right places and to do the things about this injustice that will somehow make a difference. So what can we take away from watching Jesus experience and express anger? How do we apply it in our lives? We have to be careful. I think we recognize it. First of all, it's not always wrong to be angry. Sometimes we can be angry for the right reason. And it is possible to express anger in the right ways, in ways that honor God. It's possible. Not easy, but it's possible. And I think we need to recognize that anger, even if we are right in it, and even if we begin by expressing it in the right way, if we, if we allow the emotional part of that to fester too long, it will sour. So we have to quickly move from the emotional part of what it is that caused us to be angry and figure out what do I do about it? Lord, what do I do about it? When anger comes down the conveyor belt, when you feel it, you feel it. You know it's coming. When you, when it's, when you feel it coming, check it. Check it for blemishes with the blemish inspector of God's word. Not our self-righteousness, because we're good at that. We can rationalize things pretty quickly. No, let's go to the Word of God. What does God say about this? Am I right in what I'm angry about, or is this about me? Check it quickly. And if it's not, if it's not righteous anger, kick it out. Ask yourself, is this, is this rare? Am, am I developing this pattern where I'm becoming like, when people see me coming, they're like, they don't, they don't want to deal with this, right? Is this becoming a pattern where I'm always ticked off about all the injustices in the world? Instead of doing something about it, all I do is, is rant and rave and complain. What do you want to be known for? If it's righteous, if it's rare, as far as the emotional part of that, how, how are you going to express it in a way that honors God? How are you going to move from this emotion of anger to express it in a God-honoring way that, 
that can affect change. I know it's easy to get focused on the negative aspect of, of anger. You know, I, we could have spent a half hour and just go through, you know, explaining why you need to watch what you say. And, and that's all true. We should watch what we say. We should make sure that we're not uh, expressing anger for the wrong reasons and in the wrong ways, for sure. But I, I want to I challenge you to, to leave here today thinking about the positive side of anger. I, I want to ask you to consider and pray about what is, what's one thing that moves your heart to righteous anger? I hope you're not dead inside. I, I hope you're not so apathetic in life that you don't give a rip about anything or anyone but yourself. I, I don't think that's true of you. But I would hope it wouldn't be. Ask, ask Lord, Lord, move in my heart something that you would want me to have righteous anger towards, and then, Lord, show me what you want me to do about it. Lord, how, how can I make a difference in this sinful, broken world through the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Show me how I can do that in a way that honors you. Well, that's a pretty powerful prayer. And I hope you pray this week instead of just, Lord, when I go to Walmart, help me not to drop F-bombs on anybody today, right? You can pray that. That's good. But boy, what if, what if we prayed, Lord, move my heart to be angry about the right things in the right way for the right length of time. Use me. Use me this week to, to make things better.